What's up, Faith Church? We having a good day so far? I'm going to do my best not to screw it up. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And truly, it is my honor to be with you for week two of homework. Everybody here in Florence, so good to see you guys. Would you put your hands together and help me welcome our Lawrenceburg campus. We love you guys. Everybody that is watching online, one of the really cool things that happened during the quarantine and the the COVID season is that we saw our reach Um, not just here locally, but nationally and even globally expand. And so we have thousands of people literally every week that watch us through those cameras. And so welcome to you guys. We're so excited that you're here as we dive into um, the second week of the series that Pastor Steve kicked off last week um, called Homework. And we went into this series knowing that over the course of this past season, the, the storm of COVID and quarantine has revealed some issues um, that we're seeing in some of the foundational pillars of our lives, right? Like we're, we're now on the back end of this storm a little bit, and we now kind of get to look and figure out what's, what stood strong, what needs some attention, and what has been destroyed due to the storm that we faced in our life. And so I think the message today, I don't know that there's a more timely message because it's impossible to get on social media or to, to talk with different family members without seeing that families have taken a big hit over the course of the last few months, right? You're seeing parents and kids dealing with with fear at a level that they haven't dealt with before, anxiety and stress. There There are studies that have proven that even young kids, because of quarantine and COVID and all that they're seeing on news media outlets and things like that, that that stress is at an all-time high, right? I got two words for you. How many parents in here, you have kids that are school age? Raise your hand. Let me know who I'm talking to. Okay, cool. I got two words for you. Virtual school. Anybody? Talk about stress being at an all-time high, right? Some of you like it. Some of you are doing great with it and you like the freedom. Some of you barely graduated high school and now you're trying to teach compound fractions and chemistry and if we're honest, you're damaging your kids right now. That's what's happening. You're not doing them a service. You're actually doing them a disservice. And some of you could have done backflips. I don't know about all of our schools, um, especially up in Lawrence County and Tennessee and wherever you guys are watching online. But, but this week, Lauderdale County, where my kids um, attend, we got, we got news that the school system is starting this week. We're going to four days a week instead of two days a week. And I saw some of you parents doing backflips on social media like, thank God these kids are going to get out of the house because I'm a terrible teacher and they're really bad students and I don't know how much longer I can take this, right? Stress and it's difficult. Pastor Steve said it last week that a strong foundation establishes a stable future. And when we talk about our families, unfortunately, what happens when some of these storms come through and quarantine and COVID won't be the last storm that your family faces What happens when we run into these storms is all of a sudden we get to look back on the backside and take an inventory to figure out how well are we doing. What's it look like, right? Like if a a hurricane blows through on the back end, you figure out what had a strong foundation because it's still standing and what was already in disarray and needed some work because it gets blown to bits. And unfortunately, currently we're seeing a lot of families that didn't have the foundation that maybe they thought they did. And so today, we're going to spend some time talking about that. Now, before I dive into my message today, I want to to get something out because anytime you talk about parenting, I want to, here's my disclosure, right? Disclosing that there are no promises in parenting. 
If you ever read a book or you hear somebody teach or you're watching a, a video or a sermon and they promise you that if you do A, B, and C, that you will get X, Y, and Z when it comes to parenting. You need to take that book, throw it in the trash, burn it, stop listening to that video or that person because there are no promises in parenting. We see it all the time, especially in my line of work, right, when you, when you deal with people like we do. You see some really, really bad parents raise some really, really good kids. And you can see these kids and you're like, how did he or she turn out to have the heart and be as kind and loving and gentle? How, how are they so good knowing the family they have to deal with so that they're, they're a good kid not because of their parent but in spite of their parents? Now, the opposite of that is true. We also see some, some really good parents that are doing their best, that are trying, that, that honestly, they just raise some bad kids. Kids just bad. Y'all know them. I don't have to call their names out. I guess it's a bad kid. I don't know what's happening. Like, he's dealing with some stuff. You can have kids, especially in the, in the context of church, you'll see some, some teenagers come through our youth group or back in faith kids, and you'll see some kids that love Jesus and they are, they are doing their best to pursue God in their lives. And they have parents that want nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with God. And the children are having to overcome their parents to get to Christ instead of being uplifted and encouraged to come to church. We see that. And you're like, man, this kid's up against it, but they're going after God. And on the opposite side, you see some, you see some parents who love the Lord and who are, who are doing their best to, to raise their kids in a way that that would honor God, and, and honestly, they, they get kids they want nothing to do with him. I don't like church. I don't want to deal with, that's for you, mom and dad. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And see, what, what we learn is that parenting is hard. Families are hard. One of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan, he said this. He said, every night before I get my one hour of sleep, I have the same thought. Well, that's a wrap on another day of acting like I know what I'm doing. He said, most of the time, I feel entirely unqualified to be a parent. I call these times being awake, <laughs> right? If you don't know this, if you're a teenager, you're a kid in the room, I'm going to go ahead and let the secret out of the bag. We don't know what we're doing. Like, we're making it up as we go. We're winging it the best we can. It's a difficult thing because kids are different. I've got three kids I've got two that look exactly alike, and they are so different, it blows my mind. How can you look alike and be so different? Your kids are different, and so parenting is hard, and how you have to interact with them, it's difficult, and it's, it's challenging. So we're going to spend some time today talking about parenting and the family. Now, anytime you have this conversation, you have people in the audience or people listening that are like, well, this is, this is a parenting message, and I don't have kids, so I don't have to listen today, Right? So here's my challenge to you. If you're here and you don't have kids either yet or you don't plan on having kids, whatever your situation may be, if you're here and you don't have kids, let me ask you this. Did you have parents? The answer is yes, you did, right? Did you have someone that raised you? Because as we dive into this conversation, some of us need to take a deep look at how we're raising our families. But for some of us in the room, maybe it's not how you're raising your family, but you have to look back and say, how did... How did my parents or my grandparents raise me? Because you see, the fact is, the family is the foundation of society. It's a fact. So you may not have kids, 
But you have a family, therefore you have a foundation. The family is the foundation of society. And therefore, if we can get stronger families, we will have stronger schools, we'll have stronger churches, we'll have stronger communities with less poverty, less crime. The family is the linchpin of society, and that is true economically, socially, relationally, and spiritually. It all hinges on the strength of the family. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that today. So let me ask you this question. What is your family's foundation? What is the thing that your family is built on? And if you want a hint or a way to figure it out, you can look at one of two things or both. You can look at your schedule or your budget. What is it that takes all your time? What is it that takes all your money? The answer to that question is the foundation of your family. For some of you here, Maybe you know these parents, like the foundation of their family is education. That is premier, that is of the utmost importance, and when, when education or school is your like, family's foundation, then your priority as a family becomes grades, academic performance, because you, you have it in your head that you have to make good grades so that you can make good scores on tests, so that you can get in a good college, so you can get a good degree, so that you can get a good job, so that you can one day have a good life, make a good living, Right? And so parents put all this pressure on kids to learn. It's all about knowledge, and you've you got to go to college. You've got to do this, because this is what's most important. Some of you, because we are in the South, roll tide, some of you, your family's foundation is sports. And you don't have to be honest with me. You just have to be honest with yourself. For some of you, your family's foundation is sports, and then therefore your priority becomes performance, winning at all costs. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing sports, but what happens and what you figure out if sports is your family's foundation is that all of a sudden sports start taking all of your money, all of your time. You don't have time to take a day off. You don't have a time to rest, so you run ragged going nonstop because you're working 60 hours a week to afford the, tra- afford the travel ball schedule. Then you got your tra- like tournaments on the weekends, and they take all of your time, so you're not able to come to church. You can't have your kids plugged into a youth group or a kid's ministry that's teaching them about Jesus and raising them up on what it looks like to live a godly life because you're putting sports ahead of anything else in their life. One day they're going to be old and fat like me and they don't get to play anymore and then you're going to figure out, was that foundation worth it? There's nothing wrong with sports, but it makes a terrible foundation for your family. For some of you, your foundation's money. Therefore, your priority becomes Wealth and earning, right? So it's all about wearing the right clothes or driving the right cars or living in the right neighborhoods. And your, your entire foundation of your family is built on this, this idea of what it looks like in materialism and, and greed. And so you have parents who are workaholics. Never there. They, they miss the kids, you know, dance competitions. They miss this or they miss that because dad's got to work. I got to provide. It's all about the money. And you see, there's nothing wrong with grades or sports or money, but it it all makes a terrible foundation. Now, I don't have to spend a lot of time telling you what your foundation should be because we are in church, and it's probably the most obvious thing I could say today, right? We all know that our, our family's foundation should be God, but unfortunately what happens all too often is once the storms in life come and we're left to figure out what's left standing, What we see all too often is that our foundation wasn't as strong as we thought it was. Maybe we weren't 
as, as firmly built and steadfast in the things of God as I thought I was because the storms destroyed it. And we're left picking up the pieces. What does it look like? We're going to spend some time today in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, is not a, a book written on parenting, but it could be the best parenting book ever written. If you're taking notes, if you're following along in your Bibles, you can start Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Then verse 7 finishes it up. This is the key. It says, For fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. See, if the, the foundation of your family is God, then your priority becomes wisdom and discipline because Scripture tells us that's what true knowledge is. See, Proverbs is practical, and we told you this entire series is going to be a very practical series so that we may not give you any new information or anything that you didn't already know. But you see, there's a big difference in knowledge and discipline. Knowledge is knowing the truth. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the truth. Several years ago, me and some guys, we got on this kick where we were we were hiking a lot. We were going on these trips. If you're not familiar, there's, um, there's a major um, hiking trail. It's called the Appalachian Trail. It's a, it's a run of over 2,200 miles. The southernmost trailhead is in Georgia, and it goes all the way up to the northernmost trailhead in Maine. And there are people who, who do the entire trek. They hike 2,200 miles, one run, Right? Me and some guys, we started at the southernmost tip, and we started hiking. I haven't done 2,200. I've done a little over 100 of it, and I'm done. I kind of got my fix for it, and I don't want to go back. But if you're a hiker, I've done 100 miles on the AT. It's a cool trip. It's interesting. It's a beautiful thing to see. But in one of the trips that we went on, um, we knew that we were going to be hiking through an area that, that a lot of bear lived. Like we were going to be going through a fairly dangerous area. And all you've got is you and like a 50-pound backpack, right? And so the worst thing you can do is come up over a hill and come face-to-face with a 400-pound bear. So we were kind of talking, you've got to be prepared. We've got to know what we're doing. This is, well, one of the guys on the trip, he got this real good idea. He was going to order some bear spray. Now, on the trip, we woke up this morning. We were getting ready to go. We were doing about 20 miles a day. We were getting ready to go through the stretch that's just known. There's a ton of bear sightings. We wake up and you're tired, you stink because you hadn't bathed in three days. You know, it's, we wake up and we're getting ready to take off. Well, this dude takes his backpack off, pulls out his bear spray, and like he's getting ready to like apply it, right? And we're like, whoa, 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 stop. What are you doing? It's like, well, we're in bear country. I'm getting ready to put the bear spray on. I'm like, well, see, if you're not laughing, that means you don't know what bear spray is. Bear spray is very different than bug spray. Bug spray, you put it on yourself and hopefully it repels bugs, right? Bear spray is, think of the most potent, like strong industrial mace that you can imagine. 
And the thing that you do with it is when you're out in the woods, if you come up on a bear, your very last resort is to pull out the bear spray that shoots like 20 feet and your last ditch effort to live is I'm gonna shoot the bear in the face with bear spray and it's gonna hurt the bear and the bear's gonna run away. Well, apparently this brother didn't read the can. And he was this close to applying bear spray like off, right? See, there's a big difference in knowledge and wisdom. There's a big difference in having something and knowing what to do with it. And so this series is all about about you knowing what to do with the truths that we pick up from God's word. And so today I'm, I'm going to dive into um, three principles. I could have had like 40, but I'm going the old Baptist route. I just got three points. I'm going to try to get through them as fast as I can. Three principles for parenting well, okay? Because there's, there's a way to build the foundation of your family on wisdom and discipline, like scripture says, so that hopefully we can all have the life and the families that that God wants us to have. So three points, if you're taking notes, follow along with me. Number one is you start with the heart. Start with the heart. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, I don't know what you have when you talk about parenting and and how you're raising your family. I don't know what is at the top of your list as being that thing that's the most important, but whatever that thing is, you need to take it off the top of the list and you need to put this at the top of the list. Start with the heart. How many of you just, like, you've experienced that kid, you have that kid, you were that kid, where he just, he, she just acts crazy? They lost their mind. I don't know what's going on. Losing it. And we want to jump in and we want to address behavior, right? We need to, but the truth is, if you want to correct behavior, you start with the heart. Now, here's the challenge. I'm not talking about the kid's heart. I'm talking about your heart. You as the parent. If you're not a parent, you as the coach, you as the teacher, you as the boss, you as the spouse, If you need to address a behavior, you need to correct something. You start with the heart. You have to start from looking on the inside of you because you can never address someone else's outward behavior until you first address your inward condition. And if you're honest with yourself as parents, way too often we lash out and we we address our kids or we discipline our kids or we respond to our kids in a way that wasn't necessarily Um, in relation to the kid's behavior, but we had a bad day at work. We just got in a fight with our spouse. We are frustrated. We're stressed, and we take it out on our kids because we start with trying to correct behavior instead of starting with the heart. I know none of you are this parents, but if you you know that parent, right, that resorts to name-calling, belittling your kids, like, you idiot, what are you doing? I've told you a hundred times. Why are you so stupid? Guess what? If you ever find yourself as a parent in that place, guess what? You've got a heart problem. It's not the kid. You've got an issue. You have to deal with you before you get to deal with them. If you find yourself as a parent, right? And I've heard them say it. Like, if these kids don't leave me alone, I might kill them. Now, some of that is just understandable because I have little kids too. But some of it, 
In other areas of your life, you aren't handling stress well. You aren't handling the the responsibilities and the, the things you have to deal with as an adult very well. And so what you're doing is you're letting all the stress and everything on the outside of your family relationship build up, and then you're letting it spill over on those who are closest to you. And what's happening is you're overflowing and you're letting the, the steam build up that all of a sudden it doesn't come out and burn the bad situation at work or that thing you need to deal with with your coworker or your employee, and all of a sudden you take it out on the kid. And it damages the foundation of your family. You start with the heart. Then, once you take that time to say, God, before I deal with this, I'm going to start with me. Check my heart. What am I dealing with? What am I going through, God, that you need to get out of me so that I can get on the same page with you so that when I go to deal with like an issue or take a consequence for a behavior that my child is doing, I want to take God's heart so that when I go to the child and I have to address something, me and God get to go and we're on the same page and we both have his heart, not my heart, because it's broken and bad. I get to go to my kid with God's heart. Then I get to start with their heart. But you don't start with behaviors. It doesn't work that way. I heard it, I've heard it said this way before. You have to connect before you correct. Connect before you correct. It's the only way to truly see a change in any relationship. It all starts with connection. Start with the heart. Number two, second principle is this, delight over discipline. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 say, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Let me ask you this. What is the goal of parenting? If you had to put a target on the wall that you were aiming for as a parent, that that's what's going to make me successful, what would you put in that blank? For some of you, if you're being honest, you just want them out of your house and to be able to like live without you. Like I just, I want to raise them so they can be independent and they can go do life. For some of you, you might say, you know, I want my kids to be happy. I want them to grow up and have a good life and make a good living, have a good family so they can enjoy life. For some of you, you, you would say that target for you is you want them to be successful, right? I want my kids to make a difference in life. I want them to matter. I want them to change the world. Some of you would try the the VBS answer, right? You'd go Sunday school on me and you'd be like, well, now, the goal of parenting pastors, I want my kids to be godly. I want them to be disciples. I want them to follow Jesus. All of those answers are great. And that's really good things that we can work towards with our families. But I have news for you. Did you know you don't control any of those things in your kid's life? You can't make your kids happy. Really? You can buy them the latest PlayStation or you can buy them the newest pair of shoes or whatever it is that might give them a little bump in happiness. But you can't truly make them content with life so that they find themselves joyful and really happy. You don't control that. You don't control making your kids successful. It doesn't matter. You don't control it. And here's the the wake-up call for parents. You can't make your kids godly. You can't make them love Jesus. That's a decision they make 
for themselves. And yet so many parents, we go into, into helicopter parent mode and we try to hover and control every single aspect of our kids' lives because I'm going to make the decisions for you and I'm going to help you do all this stuff because I know where you need to go. Maybe you're the, you're the parent, you go the drill sergeant route. So it's a lot of yelling and a lot of commands and a lot of requirements and a lot of restrictions because you think I can make you do this. And when you do that, what you find out is way too often in those situations, the kids rebel against that type of parenting and it damages the foundation. And you get the opposite effect of what it was you were doing to work so hard for. See, the real goal of parenting isn't parental discipline, it's self-discipline. It's self-discipline. See, you can't make your kids a disciple but you can teach them to be self-disciplined. And do you know what the root of the word disciple is? Discipline. So you begin to teach them how to live self-disciplined lives so that they can truly take care of themselves without mom or without dad making the decision, looking over their shoulder. You equip them to be self-disciplined so that then they can make the wise and disciplined decisions required to build a strong foundation for their own life. But for so many of us parents, that's really difficult to do. And we, the way we compensate for that is we lean on discipline and we don't lean on delight. And the more and more I parent and the older my kids get and the longer I've dealt with this, I'm learning that I want to turn the delight knob way up and I need to turn the discipline knob down a little bit. Because the higher my delight knob gets, I learn I don't have to discipline as much. Because we're in right relationship. We're enjoying one another. Listen to this. Don't discipline your kids until you delight in your kids. Because I've got news for you. Until you delight in your kids, you don't have a right to discipline them. Until you have a relationship that can withstand the weight of discipline and correction, until you have that connection, you can't correct them. I've heard it said this way, right? Connect before you correct. Don't discipline them before that. You have to have fun with your kids. And get it, listen. I have, I have two 12-year-olds and a 7-year-old. I have to watch some of the goofiest YouTube videos I've ever seen in my life. Did y'all know there are people that make millions of dollars making the dumbest videos? See, my kids, against my own wishes, like they don't love all the same things I love. They won't sit down and watch Meat Eater with me on Netflix. They won't do it. They won't sit down this afternoon with me and watch the Jaguars beat the Titans. Come on, that's big faith right there. They won't sit down and watch the NFL with me, but I can sit down and watch some goofy dudes draw pancake art. Oh, yeah, I went and bought the burner and I went and bought the bottles so that me and my kids can sit down and we can enjoy one another. It's ridiculous but I do it because I want to delight in my kids. I want to have fun with them. I don't want to discipline so much that anytime I holler out in the house, right, the twins especially, they live upstairs. They got the twin cave up there. And, and like in the back part of it, you can't really hear if I'm up. So I have to like holler, like not like I'm mad, but I have to like yell really loud for them to hear me in the twin cave. And anytime I yell out like, I always know how I'm doing on this delight versus discipline thing. If when they get to the bottom of the steps, they're terrified of like, oh God, what do we do now? 
Or is it like, hey, Dad, what's up? But I'll do it. I'll say, boys. And I can always hear them because they're upstairs. I'll hear this. Like they're running because they're like, Dad, what, what, what? What I try to do is when I call them down, I want to like, hey, I'm calling it. I keep this, I reserve this right as the dad family movie night right now. I did that last night. Liam, my youngest, the seven-year-old, he made it about eight minutes, and then he somehow snuck out of the living room and made it somewhere else because he didn't want to watch the family movie. The twins endured it. I don't necessarily think they enjoyed the movie as much as they just wanted to watch it with me, but we watched Peanut Butter Falcon last night, and that's a good movie. That made me cry. Um, Don't laugh. Y'all would cry too. Watch it. (laughs) But we do that. Like, hey, family time. We're going to come together because I'm not going to let Netflix and PlayStation, I'm not going to let YouTube raise my kids we're going to come together and we're going to enjoy each other and I'm going to get myself on your time because we got to figure this out. Delight over discipline. Here's my challenge to you guys. If you were here last week, we gave the homework boxes out. If you missed it, I'm sorry. Fear of missing out. You weren't here, but we ran out, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. In this week's portion, we gave you um, something to use for every single week of this series. This week's the family room. We gave you Um, some popcorn. We gave you some games that you can play. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to find a night this week because then you're going to use the excuse, well, we didn't have time. We had this. We had that. I had practices. I got three kids in three different sports. I don't have a night off, but here's what you do. Don't find time this week. Make time this week to prioritize delighting in your family. And here's what we want you to do. Pick a night, get your family together, Right? This can be you got adult kids or you got three-year-old kids. Sit them down at the table in the living room. Pop the popcorn. You don't have to play our games. Go pick whatever game it is you want. Spend some time together. Family game night. And here's a little incentive if enjoying your kids isn't enough. Here's what we're going to do. If you'll take a picture of you and your family enjoying one another, post it on social media and use the hashtag HomeworkFC the next Monday. So we'll give you a full week from today. Next Monday, we're going to go pick a family from each campus. So that's here in Florence. This is for you, Lawrence Burke. We're going to pick a family in each location. We're just going to give you a $50 gift card so that you can go enjoy your family a little bit more, okay? That's the challenge, all of you. So we should this week, depending on how many people you're connected with here at Faith Church on social media, we should see tons of families enjoying one another's time together. Because what you're doing in those moments is you're building a foundation with your kids that it can withstand the storms that I promise you are going to keep coming. It's delight over discipline. Number three, last point, and I'll be finished. Number three, know the season. Know the season. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, He will not depart from it. Now listen, so many people get caught up that this is a promise. Remember, this is a principle. That if you train, see, one of the things I'm learning as I continue to parent is that everything has to be taught. Do you know like kids when they're born, they literally know nothing. So all that stuff that your kids do that drives you crazy, that's your fault. They didn't come in with like preconceived notions of this is how life goes. No, you taught them that, or you didn't teach them that, but everything has to be taught. As much as we just wish our kids would know what we mean, as much as we wish our spouse would just know what we mean, right? Guess what? It doesn't work that way. 
Your kids don't just know things, and so you can fly off the handle. Like, how do you not know whatever this? Like, why are you not doing this? For many times when you ask yourself that question, if you were being wise and you would ask yourself, the answer to that would be you never really showed them what you expected or how to do that thing. You just didn't like how they did it, and therefore you fly off the handle. Everything has to be taught. It says that you have to train up a child, teach them how to do life so that one day in due season, they'll know the way to go. See, parenting is seasonal. Parenting is like pumpkin spice lattes and the McRib, right? It comes and it goes. And some of you parents know this because you're living in the gone time. I've heard it the whole almost 13 years that I've been a parent. Enjoy the time. Like, it's going to go just like that and it's going to be gone and you're going to look back and you're going to miss it. When you hear parents say that, guess what they're saying without really knowing it? It's seasonal. The frustrations, they're seasonal. I wish I could take credit for it, and that would just mean I'm smarter and a better parent than I am. But Andy Stanley's the first um, pastor I ever heard use this illustration, that there are actually four seasons in parenting. And you have to know the season. The first season is called the discipline years. Discipline years are from the time your kids are born up until about five years of age. This is when you're, you're always, as a parent, you get really good at saying what? No, no, no. You say no 4,000 times a day because they're just like doing life and I don't know, let's, let's touch this. No, 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 no. And it gets exhausting saying no. But guess what? I'm having to discipline. I'm, ha- I'm teaching, I'm training, and it takes you several years before you get them to like, I don't have to tell you not to touch the hot stove. I don't have to tell you not to bite the cat's tail. I don't have to tell you don't do all these things because that season was about discipline. Once your kid gets up to about five years of age, up until they're about 12 years of age, that season is known as the training years. And in those times, it's not just enough anymore just to discipline. You don't just get to tell your 12-year-old, no. They start asking in that season, what's the question they start asking? Why? Why? See, when you get in the training years, all of a sudden you have to start putting a little more context. You have to give them the why behind the what. Because you're not just in the discipline years anymore. Now I'm in the training years. Now I'm having to teach them in wisdom and discipline, how they can start understanding so that they can make wise, disciplined decisions on their own. But you have to teach them. Training years, they go up to about 12 years of age. Once you get up to, to about 12, all the way up until they're about 18, this is called the coaching years. And the reason so many parents struggle, honestly, with the teenage years, why it's so difficult for so many parents is because they're terrible coaches. See, in the coaching years, what you find is is the parent moves to the sideline and the kid's still out playing the game. And this is when you start figuring out, how did I do in the discipline years and how did I do in the training years? Because now I'm having to call out plays. I'm having to call out these routes for you to take. Do this, do that. And if you're not responding in a way, then all of a sudden what I see as a parent 
that stares me right in the face is maybe you didn't discipline like you should have. Here's where a lot of parents of teenagers miss it. You didn't discipline your kids from the time they were in the discipline years, right? You didn't teach them no. You never told your kid no, and now they're 15, 16, and they're running all over you, and you're trying to discipline when you should be coaching. I got news for you. It don't work. It's hard to discipline a 17-year-old. Anybody ever tried? It doesn't work because now all of a sudden you should be coaching. I'm, I'm independent now. I'm, I'm grown, they think, right? Guess what? They're real close. And during this season, God sets it up in a way so that you have to move from correcting to connecting because, yes, they're gaining that independence. It's the coaching years. Eventually, they make it. Once your kid gets up to about 18 years of age, all the way through adulthood, this is called the friendship years. Hopefully you've done a good enough job that once your, your parents get to my age, right, I'm 37, I got three kids, hopefully you finally get to a point that now you just get to enjoy being friends with your kids. The biggest issue we see, and it's the biggest cause of friction and frustration between parents and adult kids, honestly, is that the parent doesn't know the season. And I got news for you, moms and dads, grandparents, if you've, got a, if you've got a daughter that's 35, you don't get to parent her like she's 17. It's not that season anymore. You don't get to correct your daughter. You don't get to correct your grandkid against your daughter's wishes because guess what? You're in the wrong season. And just like in the middle of July, if you saw somebody walking down the street in a full parka and snow boots, that's going to be uncomfortable and that's not going to work. The same thing is true when you have an adult parent trying to discipline or train a kid. You've missed the season. Now you're not there for correction. You're there for counsel. Now you're there to, to give wise instruction, support. Now the opposite is true. If you're 28, you can't expect your parents to have to step in and discipline you like you're 12, right? Yeah. Oh, I drank too much and posted stupid pictures on social media. Like, you're 40, Karen. Like, grow up. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But, but you got to know the season, right? Know the season. My dad, all my life, he always told me this as far back as I can remember, and I'm done. He'd say, son, the older you get, me and your mom, we're going to start getting dumber and dumber, and dumber. But there will come a time, you'll get a little bit older, and you'll have kids of your own, that we're going to start getting smarter, and smarter, and smarter. See, what my dad was saying without saying it was, son, it's seasonal. And I understand we're going to go through these ups and downs. But hopefully as a parent, we are able to parent and and lead our families in a way through wisdom and discipline, building our family on a godly foundation that when the storms come and when the ups and when the downs come, our family foundation can support what it needs to support so that it's not destroyed by the storm that is inevitable. Found a verse this week. This is my new target. This is what I'm putting on the wall. Proverbs Chapter 17, verse 6, 
says, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. How many grandparents do we have in the room? Raise your hand. Y'all love them grandkids, don't you? It's a different love, right? Like how proud you are of your grandkids. It says, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. And this is the thing I'm, I'm standing on. It says, and parents are the pride of their children. So it doesn't say children are the pride of their parents. It says parents are the pride of their children. See, I want to parent in a way. I want to build the foundation of my family in a way and lead my kids in a way that, that one day, in due season, I know it's not going to happen when they're 13. But I hope that one day they look at me and they say, Dad, I am so proud that you're my dad. Dad, I, you're awesome. I'm so thankful for you because you showed me what it means to live a wise and disciplined life. Understanding that I have to live my life on my own, but you were there in season and out. You built the foundation. You, you were there for me. You, you enjoyed me. It wasn't all about discipline. God doesn't parent you like that. Don't parent your kids like that. I want my kids to be proud of me. Scripture, God says that your parents... Your kids can be as proud of you as grandkids are, grandparents are of their grandkids. That's pretty proud. When you get to that season, you know you've built a solid foundation. See, Pastor Steve said it last week, your foundation determines your future. And I want the families of Faith Church, I want you and your kids to have such a solid foundation that there is no storm this life or the enemy can throw at you that can derail what God's doing in your life. But you've got to start with the heart, delight over discipline, and you have to know the season. It's all about wisdom and discipline. And if you live it, we trust God with the results. You don't control it but he's faithful. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, that we have, so many of us, to, to be parents. God, your word tells us in Psalms 127 that children are a gift from the Lord. God, we thank you for that opportunity, Lord, and we pray today, God, none of us know what we're doing. We are all broken people, Father, but we we lean into you. We trust, God, that you will continue to lead us towards wisdom and discipline, Father, so that we can, with your help, build the foundation that we need, that our kids need, God, so that we can all experience the blessed life that you have for us. But it starts with building our lives on you. God, for every single parent, every single family here, God, that maybe they didn't get off to the start they, they wanted to, Father, I thank you that you are the king of restoration, that there's no foundation that's too far gone that you can't rebuild it, that there's no, no relationship that you can't put back together. And I thank you for that, God, and I pray that 
leaving today, God, we would all be on a better track to raising a better family built on you. In Jesus' name, amen.